What's up, H-Town? Welcome to the Believe in Astros podcast, your home for all things Astros, with your hosts, sports writer Jeff Balky and Astros broadcaster and former third baseman Jeff Blob. Now, here's Balky and Blubber. What is up, Astros fans? Welcome to episode 42 of the Believe in Astros podcast. On the Believe Podcasting Network, I'm Jeff Balky, and my partner ready for another weekend in the deep, dark recesses of the offseason, Jeff Blum. Uh, You can find us on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, of course, YouTube. Uh, Be sure to like and subscribe. Keep up with us. Drop us some reviews on Apple. Give us five stars if you like, if you're feeling it. And uh, give us a follow on Twitter. We're at Believe in Astros. You can find me at Jeff Balky and Blummer at Blummer27. In fact, you can find us pretty much anywhere on social media under those uh, monikers. Uh, send us your comments, questions. We love seeing all of those and read them all. For example, would you bet on the Astros winning another World Series next year if you had to bet on them right now? Yeah. I might. <clears throat> I might go full match or smack. Now, I'm not well, offering you... you guys any money back on the podcast. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, we're not going to be able to fund <laughs> that. But I mean, if you take a couple zeros off Mattress Max bets, we could be, we could compete with that. I mean, I, you know, it's not the worst idea in the world. Early, early bet, you know, I mean, drop, drop a hundo and see what happens. You yeah, know? his national championship bet didn't go as well. You know, I got to get away from the baseball betting because Ooh. I could get seriously reprimanded. But the, yeah, I was going to say, cha- right. The national championship one, that went a little sideways. <clears throat> that was not a good choice. Ooh. I mean, you know, the funny thing about the national championship, too, is you just don't know. So a lot of these teams, yeah. they don't play each other, you know, and you're like, you're just kind of guessing based on what they've done previously. But TCU went in and manhandled Michigan, so you're thinking, okay, well, they got a chance. And then mm, Georgia was like, and that was that. That was the yeah. end of it. Well, considering what Georgia did to TCU, what would Georgia have done to Michigan? I don't know. I mean, that's What crazy. would Georgia have done to the Texans is a better question. Oh, I mean, tell you where I, I know exactly where I'd put my money. I... I <laughs> Speaking of betting, let's put in a word for our sponsor. Bet Online remains your number one source for all sports betting this season, including the NFL and now the over bowl season and esports. Again, if you, they had a bet for Georgia versus the versus uh, the Texans, I might my my money might go on Georgia, even though they're playing against grown men. I don't know, man. That's going to be a Stetson Bennett's a grown man. He is a grown man. He's a, <laughs> absolutely. He's probably not going to get drafted until like the fifth round, but he's definitely a grown dude. Uh, you'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. Bet Online features live betting, free contests, live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. Uh, I keep thinking of weird sports. I'm like, do they have it for this? Like, do they do they do like cornhole, darts? Uh, what do you got? The dog Olympics. Oh, dude. Ooh. Well, let's look at this. Darts are a deal. Right, I've yeah. seen some of those like replays of darts where people go crazy. They watch darts like it's insane. I, I mm-hmm. didn't. I had no idea. Of course, I don't live in England, so I wouldn't have any idea about that. Like I wouldn't know anything about cricket. Yeah. But nevertheless, yeah, people go I crazy for darts. I'm more about darts watching Ted Lasso than actually right. watching a dart tournament. Oh right, I'm left-handed. Like it's you know <laughs> one of the great one of the great SmackDown scenes of all time, and done Phenomenal. in a very quiet, lovely genteel way <laughs> so mm-hmm. good barbecue sauce 
whack. Um, we're the <laughs> fastest and easiest way to bet on the favorite leagues and events. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code Believe BLEAV to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. Uh, there's a cacophony of dogs barking in the background, but I will just leave that for now. Um, this I, my three dogs are are completely insane this morning, um, but that's all right. Uh, the back so door is you, open. You being a big musician and you have three dogs, three dog night. What do we got, <laughs> dude? Let me tell you something. When it froze two years ago, my wife and I had a literal three dog night. They just like they, they, they were they were blankets. Absolutely, yep. yeah. Three dog night. That is correct. So this, I swear to God, this is the last mention I'm going to make of Carlos Correa in this podcast, unless he oh, plays dear. against the Astros at some point. But he did sign a rather unique deal with the Twins, as you and I discussed off offline. So boring. It's like, come on, man. It could have been more fun than that. But I, I just wanted to ask. Blumer, you think this is going to change anything? Because this was a pretty unique deal, right? He's, there's a yeah. lot of incentive pay in there. There's a lot of possibilities about what he could. I mean, do you think this is going to? And, and of course, we saw a really unique contract with uh, Rodriguez from in Seattle. You know, as a young yeah. player, where he got signed with this long deal, and there's all sorts of incentives and different things that can happen. Are these the, fu- the sort of the deals of the future for Major League Baseball teams? Because especially uh-huh. for teams that can't afford like Steve Cohen money. Yeah, but my my only con- there's so many things like the, we we texted each other we're like wow he signed back with Minnesota and we were like that was kind of the <laughs> the, the 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 tenor of the text you know if you could if you could translate it because we were just going oh he went back to Minnesota because I think the idea of going back to Minnesota is great Minnesota's got this phenomenal shortstop Joey Gallo they've got Christian Vasquez and you're going they'll be all right. Yeah, they'll be all right. also put up numbers, but you're not like, oh, damn, this is going to put Minnesota at the top of the AL Central. It's it's not. Right. It wasn't the sexy move. The sexy mm-hmm. move, unfortunately, and I know there's a lot of prognosticators across baseball that want some of these mid-American teams to have mm-hmm. guys like Carlos yeah. Correa, but that's all they have. They don't have the ability, unfortunately, to build around these guys. Maybe the Minnesota Twins surprise us, but they've got to draft well. They're going to have to trade well to get some of these guys yeah. in. But, uh, you know, the sexy pick was San Francisco Giants for 300 plus million. It was the yes. New York Mets for 300 plus million. And then you go back to that, you know, you go back to that triple X girlfriend who was like, cool, but she wasn't the super hot one that you were like dragging out of the, out of the house every night to take to the bar and go, Hey, check it out. Look who I'm with. You know, she was just the one that was like the stable one that'd be like, you want to stay in tonight and watch some Netflix? Yeah, let's do it. You know, that's cool. And they, he went back to the security of the Minnesota Twins, and you know, with everything that went on, you went, "Oh, that's the team that got him." You know, it was yeah. kind of surprising, but it wasn't like awesome for me. No, I don't know. it's a weird feeling for me it for is. Him going back to Minnesota. Yeah, I agree with you too. I, I keep thinking well, the thing that pops over and over and over in my head is that scene in Wayne's World where uh, they're like got all these different backgrounds. They're in Hawaii, whatever, and then they're in Delaware, and he's like, "Hey, we're in." Delaware, <laughs> you know, like, what are you going to say? It is. Yeah. It's just kind of like, and nothing, no hate against Minnesota, which is a beautiful no. place and everything else. But it is weird because it doesn't have any of that. It doesn't have any of the sort of thing that you get uh, that spike in interest in baseball. And I think it might have been more interesting had he not already played for the Twins. Right. That's a good if, point. If, if, he had pl- if he had gone to, you know, if he had gone and played Maybe for. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's like it's like it was the return to where he was. I mean, if he'd have gone and played like you know, gone to the Cardinals or gone to some like you know weird play in the Cubs or something, we never would have seen. That might have generated more. But just like he's like, well, he's just gonna go back to the Twins. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's enough about Carlos Correa. I've I've spoken all I can speak about the man. I like him, but he's no longer an Astro. So to hell with all that. <laughs> I did want to mention one other thing because this is a special episode. We're gonna we're gonna have a we're gonna have a lot of fun with this in a minute. But there was a story in the Athletic about players suggesting that they shouldn't have a pitch clock in the postseason. Now, yep. they had suggested also possibly even not having a pitch clock in later innings. And their whole argument here is, well, when there's a lot of pressure, you know, you don't want to see a game decided on a technicality. Which, honestly, as someone who thrives on chaos, I would love to see a game decided on a technicality. <laughs> Just not in the postseason, maybe. Like, I would yep. love to see, like, a middle, like, a game in, like, late July that everybody's fired up about because, you know. But, but I do understand the later innings argument of not changing it because well how fair is that to the pitchers who had to pitch with a pitch clock early and now you're giving everybody at the end but postseason is kind of an interesting thought about removing it now it also means that we're going to go back to four and a half hour five hour (laughs) postseason games which are just brutal Mm -hmm. but also there is some inconsistency there because if these guys are used to doing this they're gonna you know you've talked so much blum about players and routines and they it get is, into yeah. like a they get into that vibe. Do you think they should remove it for the postseason? Do you think that's a good idea? No. I, I, well, <laughs> the only the only uh, the only thing that might change my mind is like you mm. just said the routine of it. So you go through a 162 game season of pitch clock, running to the plate, get in the box, get the sign from your pitch common throw. The only the only residual effect from that might be that when you do get to the postseason that you've done this so many times over and over and over again that once you take that governor off, do you revert back to what you've done in previous years or do you just continue to do what you've been doing? Right. You know, that's the question. But I think with the knowledge that the clock isn't there, it would change the game a little bit and it would extend those games. But uh, at the same time, you know, m- removing it later in the innings, that's not fair. You know, I I think that what we're starting to see now is some of these starting pitchers and the way they communicate. Yes, the analytics mean something. Yes, all the peripheral numbers, you know, whips, FIPS, XFIPS, and, uh, you know, there's some other other ones out there that these guys talk about. But ultimately, it's like being a a quarterback in the NFL. How How are you judging your greatness? How many opportunities did I give my team to win? How many right. wins did I rack up? So if you're if you're putting me on a pitch clock and I'm still <laughs> able to go out there and win, why are you not giving the you know the seven, eight, nine uh, inning guys an opportunity to pitch under the same circumstances? Why right. do I have to continually adjust? So I think that's where I don't like it for the first half of the game, second half of the game. But in the postseason, I get it. You know, they're they're a little more crucial. But every game leading up to a playoff situation was pretty damn crucial because, like right. you said, there's going to be moments where you're going to look back at your season and go, this is why we didn't make the playoffs. Right. And if it's on a technicality, like you said, with one of these pitch clocks, some of them a bitch. <laughs> you know, you're going to look back and go, damn it. If I would have been playing under the playoff rules, we'd be in the playoffs right now. Yeah, it is weird, too, because I start thinking about, like, isn't that part of sports? You know, is that you play under the rules. Everybody's playing under the same set of rules. Everybody Especially has to deal with this. baseball. Yeah, it, it's it's just you have to deal with the same circumstances. You know, the players, yeah. 
They obviously the the players don't like the shift either. I'm not sure why the players don't like banning the shift. To be real honest with you, um, I don't I know. Had, what do I, you think that, that is? We talked about it offline, and for those of you who don't know or followed myself on uh, or Jeff on on uh, social media, I had a chance to speak with Alex Bregman and Jeff Bagwell yeah. for a sit down session that'll be coming out hopefully right around the beginning of the season. But so cool. That was one of my questions. I go, give me an idea of what the shift means. And he was like, as a hitter, he goes, we love it. We talked about it all during the season when they finally implanted it. How great is it going to be able to hit? Uh, Bregman said that he was one of the highest shifted right-handed hitters in the league. You've got Kyle Tucker, Jordan Alvarez, yeah. uh, Michael Brantley, who can manipulate the ball with the best of them. These guys are on the offensive side. They're like, this is going to be awesome. On defense, they're like, we're screwed because the Astros were so good at defending with the shift that they're going to find themselves maybe giving up a couple more hits or a couple more runs in situations where they know they could have knocked the ball down and, and increased their win probability. Yeah, I could totally see that. And yeah, good plug for your uh, for the show you're doing. That's going to be super cool. That's how you know I'm a professional media guy. Now. That's right. That's right. I mean, look, you're even wearing the you're even wearing the Breggy lid, I'm which rapping. is which is so sweet. I that I can't wait to see that show with Bagwell and Bregman together. Is just well, look with you. It's it the killer bees. It's the bunch of bees. I didn't. You know what's funny is I didn't realize that until we sat down. Like we legit, you know, we, we we're filming yeah. them walking in. We're bro hugging. We're talking. Yeah, we're yeah, setting yeah. things up, and then finally they're like, "Go!" And I kind of went. I looked up and I'm like, "I'm here with Bregman. I'm here with Bagwell." And I went, "Wait a minute, we got the killer bees right here." Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. You certainly do. That show's going to be killer. I can't wait to watch that. I I think Thank insight you. between players is some of the best. Like I love, for example, I love watching comedians in cars getting coffee, the Jerry Seinfeld show, yeah. because it's comedians talking to comedians, right? And I think and this how is how that brain works. Yes. It's yeah. well, it's it's it, and I and I say this from my own experience of being a musician for all these years. When you put musicians together, the conversation is just different because you oh, have man. this shared long time experience. You talk about the most like these awful gigs you've done and and <laughs> what things you have to go through and all that kind of stuff and I feel like when I watch the comedians in cars getting coffee thing, it's exactly the same. They have the same conversations. They have the same sort of back and forth about, "Hey, how did you do this? Why did you think about that?" And athletes mm -hmm. are no different. And so it's it's great because you're a broadcaster, so you know how to you know carry on a conversation and and do an interview. But you're also a former player, so there is that. I I love that back and forth. Again, that's part of my love of peeking behind the curtain, about mm -hmm. hearing how the sausage is made. I love that kind of that kind of stuff. So I'm I'm going to be really fascinated to watch. I think it's going to be excellent. Um, so yeah, yeah selfishly, I agree. How 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 long did you? How long were you interviewing them for? Oh, uh, it, it, it turned out uh, I got, well, I didn't, you know, we, we were trying to do it in segments, but I know for a fact I got yelled at in the first segment because we initially sat down and we were at uh, Brett's barbecue out in Katy and they catered mm -hmm. the whole thing and let us set nice. up in their shop. So it was beautiful and they wanted to serve us lunch. And, but we, <laughs> we sat down and I think the first segment must've gone a half an hour. They're going to have to do some serious editing. But I kept seeing in the background. I don't know. If, I don't know if the guys could see it, but I know that my producer was in, you know, in my line of sight. I hate that. And he kept going, like, "Let's take this thing to break." And I'm like, "Hold on," you know. Breggy kept, you know, I, it was unsolicited it. information coming at me, and I'm like, "We're no, I'm it's like, not We're live. It's not live." Yeah. I will say that happens sometimes on when I do radio and 
uh, Mondays on KHF. <laughs> yeah. I, if, even because I'm not in the studio anymore, I do it from you know from my office. But even then, you can hear it. You can hear it in the silence. The kind of you like can feel on, it. Come, come here, on, like... man! Come on, man! Come on, man! We're running out of time. So yeah, I yeah. hate that. But that that makes uh, let them edit it. That's what the nerds are for. Yeah. Speaking yeah, as a fellow, much more speaking, talented than I speaking am. Speaking as a fellow nerd, I get it. Like they'll mm-hmm. they'll figure it out. All right, yeah. so let's get down to this. I've been I thought about this for a while. I've been meaning to mention. I brought it up to you just this week. I think it is absolutely fascinating that you played with so many different people. You played in the league a long, long time. Yeah. Um, and I thought it would be cool to do an all Blum team, an all Blum team, and uh, <laughs> and uh, and so I suggested we come up with you know position players plus one starter, one reliever, mm-hmm. and these are can only be uh, I was gonna say quelled. That's not right. Cold <laughs> is the word I'm looking for. In, my father, the English, uh, my the journalism professor is rolling in his grave. Um, these can only be called from players that you played with in your playing time. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I really want to hear this. I'm fascinated. I hope everybody else is as fascinated as I am. I'm sure this was not a difficult, uh, not an easy decision, except for no. a couple positions, which I imagine were very easy. But you, you're going to be surprised. I think a lot of people are going to be shocked. So 14 years, six different teams. Uh, there's going to be some qualifiers in there. You know, yeah. you've got to remember the time at which I was playing with these yeah. guys. Uh, you know, take that into account. Yeah. But uh it, it's going to be interesting. And there were actually some of the easier, I think we're on the same wavelength as far as some of the easier positions to mm-hmm. call where I played with some, and it, it kind of stirred up some of these guys that I did play with, whether they were incredibly young yeah. or at the beginning of their career or at the end of their career. But uh, yeah, there's some good ones. All right. Know, where do you want to start? Do you want to start let's, in the let's, outfield? Let's start with, let's no, let's start with reliever. I okay. want to start with the best reliever because I think a reliever is an interesting position because I think it's one that people forget about. Like, in, and there are lots of different kinds of relievers, mm-hmm. uh, but I do think that you, you know, I felt like it would be an interesting thing to see who's the guy you thought was really the best in that position with you. That's easy because you know I was on the field. It was a little bit later in his career, but I got traded. I didn't get traded, but I signed with the San Diego Padres. Mm-hmm. And a lot of this that I take okay. into account is having faced these guys and then playing with these guys. If I had that opportunity, yeah. In San Diego, I had a chance to play behind Trevor Hoffman, but I, I also had say. the misfortune. I had the misfortune of playing in San Diego at Jack Murphy Stadium. And if you've ever been there, the stands are literally on top of on top of the dugout. There's a bleach, a couple of bleachers that are actually physically in the dugout at that time. Oh. But if you were if you were within three runs of the San Diego Padres, and all of a sudden you heard that boom from Hell's Bells start, that place absolutely erupted, and it felt like the roof of the the, the dugout was going to cave in. And then I faced. Trevor Hoffman when he was in the mid nineties with that changeup, mm-hmm. And that was one of the more unfair things I've ever been through playing behind him. Just as good. He was throwing 88 miles an hour and st- still getting guys out. But the all, one of the all time save leaders, uh, Trevor Hoffman, but obviously honorable mention goes to Billy Wagner who yeah. should be, and that might be a podcast in itself Needs should be. be in the hall of fame. Absolutely should be in the hall of fame. It's a, it's a travesty that he is not in the Completely. hall of fame. Yeah, absolutely. He's got 71%, I think, this time. So he's getting closer to that number, but he should be in there. There's no. Yeah, there's if no you're question. not voting for Billy Wagner, then you're just going, you're not doing your homework. 
Yeah, I mean, the, I agree. the dude was lights out. He was one of the first guys to throw 100 miles an hour. <clears throat> He's got 400-plus saves. His save rate was unbelievable. But all of yeah. the peripheral strikeouts, you know, yeah. ERAs, batting average again. Oh, my gosh. This yeah, he's ridiculous. Thing. Trevor Hoffman, I kind of wondered if you were going to go that way. Trevor Hoffman obviously was a guy that just the Astros hated. You know, it was like he just <laughs> yeah. destroyed the Astros. Mm-hmm. They, they, they were just those teams were just up with those – Horrible sinkers and stuff that and breaking pitches that guys just couldn't hit and the changeup of mm-hmm. course. Change so that's up, yeah. that is an that is an excellent one. All right, let's let's move. Uh, let's go with a starter. Okay, you're the best starter you ever worked with. Um, during this time, it was in San Diego again. I was with Jake Peavy when he won the the Cy Young in 07, and he was obliterating. Yeah, he was uh, You know, he was young, low 90s fastball, turbo slider, took the ball six, seven innings every time he went out there. But a very close, it might be my 1A Jake Peavy. My 1B is Royals Walt, hands down. As far as competitor Royal. stuff, uh, probably the best, probably... You know what? Now that I think about it, he might be the best competitor I've seen on the mound. This really? dude, he hated to lose. I mean, Roy was, he pitched angry, and I absolutely love that about him because he's not big in stature. He's not Jack. The shoulders aren't Roger Clemens' width. But the fact that he came out there and just absolutely tried to shove it up your backside every single time that he pitched is what was fun to play behind Roy Oswald. And he would flip the 65-mile-an-hour curveball in there. He had a crazy changeup he'd throw every once in a while. I mean, he he worked uh, in preparation and competitiveness on the field, so I loved him. But I also played with Greg Maddox, you know, so that that was a lot of fun too. Holy moly! I, you know, you mentioned Jake Peavy. It's funny, not too many people remember him, but yeah, that 07 year, he was un he was unhittable that he, year. He led the way. It was unbelievable what yeah, he was able to do. I think the way you describe Roy Oswalt hating uh, uh, losing is he hates losing as much as he loved getting that tractor from Drake yeah. McLean. That, that was probably the, the high, he loved we got that, that tractor. I yeah. couldn't believe, that was like the weirdest, most amazing thing. It's like, here, Roy, I got you, you a go, tractor. Yeah, we're all sitting there going, a tractor. And Roy's like, dude, this is awesome. I love it. <laughs> I can see a little Drayton do like, listen, Roy, we got you a tractor. I, I know you love tractor. I know you love the farm. We got you a tractor. <laughs> and if you, if you had, that might be the all-time conversation as far as Southern accents. Oh, just. Roy had a it, thick one. Yeah, he did, and and especially and Drayton. My favorite is uh, Lance Zerline's mimicking of uh, of Drayton McLean back in the day when he used to talk about paying people in nachos and stuff. <laughs> you ever you get there's a there's a website I help my friend Frank who's a, who worked for uh, fifteen sixty the game back in the day. They have a website called fifteen sixty archive dot com, and it's all of the old fifteen sixty stuff, including Lance Zerline doing like SEC guy and all of the incredible. Oh and he has a great Drayton McLean one where he's like. Hey, how much I got? How much I gonna cost in nachos? It was like, it was like it's only great ever. All right, let's all right. Let's move to some position players. Let's start with catcher. This was this was was actually hard because I was going to say what, what's going to be a great catcher. I, I've had the pleasure of playing with Mike Piazza. Not a great catcher, great hitter, great guy. Mm-hmm. Um, in uh, 2011 and 12, I actually got to play with Miguel Montero, who was an All Star at the time, and he was hitting 280 and playing a great defensive catcher. So he was on that list. Brad Osmus, obviously yeah. phenomenal defensive catcher, all around good guy. And uh, but I decided to have a little bit of fun with this one because Great. I had the pleasure of of playing in Montreal with Michael Barrett, who moved moved to catcher, was a great player, versatile, played behind the plate. 
But my top two catchers, I'm going to go with two. It was Michael Barrett and A.J. Pierzynski. Oh, Brzezinski. (laughs) Just because I know that's going to stir the pot. People who are listening to this are going to go, that's, I hated that guy. And you had every reason to hate A.J. Pierzynski. But I, I'm still friends to him with him to this day. Are you really? Uh, hey. And Michael Barrett, I'm friends with him. But it, the dynamic between those two guys and the energy they bring, mm. they were very interesting catchers. But they were both very good, I felt. I thought they were good catchers to play with. Brzezinski is one of the all-time great Astros-hated Yep. Guys, I mean, with good reason. With good he's, reason. So, if, if you're watching this on YouTube, he's that guy that you, you're sitting there talking. Then I, I say AJ Pierzynski, and immediately your traps like retract. Well, you saw and, like, me. You're just and you're just. If like, you saw me ah. on YouTube, I was literally stabbing myself directly in the heart. Like it is. Just, yeah, it's painful. But he was great. Like those are good choices because you know mm-hmm. you can. I, I always think too. Like you go back. You look at guys. There were guys I, you know, as as Sean Pendergast, uh, my friend who writes for the press and works at Six Ten, likes to say, "There's sports hate, and then there's regular hate." Right. So there are lots <laughs> yep. of guys I sports hated. Um, oh man, yeah. Who now I look at it, I'm like, like I sports hated with a deep and abiding loathing. Larry Bird, I sports hated him <laughs> to death. I hated that guy so much. And now I watch him and I'm like, God, holy crap. Like, I can't sports hate him anymore because the dude was amazing. But I sports hated him at the time. Um, And, of course, there, yeah, there's plenty of those guys. But, hey, if you're going to sports hate somebody, at least sports hate somebody that's good. You know? Mm -hmm. Okay, right field, Blummer. This one was easy. Uh, uh, Vladimir Guerrero came up with them in Montreal, played with him in A ball, double A. He didn't play in triple A because he jumped over us and went to the Mm -hmm. big leagues. But Vlad Guerrero Sr. is yeah, the I was best say. right fielder I've ever played with in my life and might be the best player I've ever played with. Some younger listeners being like, Vlad Guerrero Jr.? Uh, no, Vlad Guerrero Sr. Yeah, that, guy, that guy, whoo, man, when he played, I remember watching him and just thinking, like, just what an incredible swing that guy had. Like, mm. just pure and... Um, it was like he was like he would hit home runs and it didn't seem like there was any effort behind it. It just seemed easy. Like everything he did just seemed easy. And that guy and, and kind of underrated because he ended up in, you know, Montreal and didn't, you know, wasn't in a and big And then went to the market. Anaheim or Anaheim Angels or whoever. Yeah. Kind of, you know. <clears throat> kind of an odd career in terms of the teams he was on, but mm-hmm. man, what a player. Holy crap. That's a really great one. Yeah, talking about Easy Pop, great story about uh, mm-hmm. uh, Vlad Guerrero and how good he was. Uh, Pete McCannon, who eventually became the Phillies manager for a while, was our third base coach at the time. And I'm, you know, I'm. It's 1999, 2000, and I'm sitting on the bench with a guy named Ryan McGuire, Mike Mordecai, myself, and uh, oh my gosh, Tracy, uh, Andy Tracy, and uh, Vlad proceeds to take a slider, you know, from somebody down and in and hit it out to the opposite field in Montreal, which is just a the graveyard. Field down and in? Yeah. And he's running, he, he the, the inning ends and Pete McCannon comes over and he looked and he goes down the line of those guys I just told you and he goes, you, 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 and you, you know what? And we're like, huh, what? And he goes, you'll never be as good as that guy. <laughs> <laughs> And we were, you know, we were like, we were like, how dare you say that? But damn, you're right. Perfect. You'll never yeah. be as good as that guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, 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 and you. 
<laughs> Amazing. It was great. Oh my god, that's so good. All right, Blumber Centerfield. Who you got? Uh, another one. Uh, uh, played with some good guys, but Mike Cameron. Mike oh, Cameron. Yeah. Um, underrated. Highly underrated. Doesn't get talked about enough for me. No. And I think if you had the metrics, uh, you know, as far as you know, a jump, first step, uh, closing speed, range, oh yeah, um, ability to go back, uh, and then you add the offensive side to it. This guy was a twenty-five home run guy, and he played in Seattle, San Diego, some of these monster ballparks, and he would he would be able to go get it. But I, I remember vividly, it was uh, he. I was already with San Diego. He comes over uh, either free agency or a trade. And I remember I was at third base, and there was a runner. You know, <clears throat> there was a runner at first base, maybe one or two outs in the inning, and somebody just absolutely destroys one to center field. And I put my head down, ran to third base. I'm like, man, I got to cover third and make sure these runners are touching bases because this ball is smashed. And by the time I took my leisurely jog to third base and turned around and got ready for a throw or lining up a cutoff. Mike Cameron was jogging back with the baseball. And I was like, oh, damn. And uh, had to go watch the video. He tracked it down, <clears throat> didn't dive, didn't uh, you know slide, nothing. Just kind of caught it on the run. Nice casual day. But Mike Cameron, one of the best, the best center fielder I ever played with. You know, my, it's funny you say that. <clears throat> I watched him play a number of times. That, you know, never. The one thing I remember is I remember seeing him catch a ball uh I can't remember. I, it wasn't here. It must have been must have been in San Diego, and I remember him him like the the. This is what I remember specifically, is the announcer saying <clears throat> that was not the 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 color commentator at the time saying that was not an easy play that he mm-hmm. just made. Like just saying that was not easy what you just saw. And I remember thinking, you know, at the time this was you know I don't know fifteen years ago or twenty years ago. And I remember thinking, wow, that was that was not an easy play. And they showed the replay, and I'm like, holy crap. Like, the amount of ground that he covered yeah. yep. to get there in such a short period of time, that guy could flat out fly. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and such great anticipation, you know, well, for the ball. And, and there were two guys, Andrew <clears throat> Jones and Mike Cameron. But those guys, mm-hmm. with, like oh, you yeah. said, with the anticipation. Yeah. But, you know, the route running. Like the mm-hmm. ability to recognize the trajectory and speed of a baseball and understand how you can get your body to that spot as efficiently as possible, those were the two guys that were able to do it, to your point. I don't know how guys do that really. Because like when you sit in the stands or somewhere, even if you sit in the outfield <laughs> and you see a ball, like you're like, wait a minute, is that ball going it's to, it's, it's either going to hit me or it's mm-hmm. going to go, or it's like, you know, I, I said the Crawford box is not too long ago, over some at a couple points this season. I remember some guy hit a ball and it was coming out there and I looked at it and I said, that's either going to hit me or it's going to go to second base. Like, I have no idea what's going to happen like, because you just can't. It's yeah. the perspective is so bizarre in like this cavernous, you know, I remember playing baseball mm-hmm. in the street and stuff. And it's, you know, it's not like that. And, uh, yeah. and the ball bends you know, and, oh, and you know, have all those moving, slicing yeah. and moving and all that kind of stuff. That's that's a good call, Cameron. Very good call. Okay, uh, left field. Um, my initial reaction was Dave Roberts because he oh, played man. with Mike Cameron in center field in San Diego. Dave Roberts was playing left field. Great leadoff guy. Yeah, he was another intuitive, very very savvy, very smart left fielder. Very Could, quick. You know, keep too. runners very quick. Didn't have a great arm, but was able to keep runners from advancing ninety feet. But I had to go back because there was a guy that I wanted to put on this list. He wasn't going to make my first base list or my first base guy. 
And uh, so I had to look around and he played a lot of center field when I was there in uh, Houston. And I eventually I found it was either, I think it was 2003 maybe when, uh, when Jeff Kent came over and Bish had to go to center. So this guy yeah. moved to left and Lance Burton. <clears throat> I, yeah. Wow. I, and I had to look it up to make sure that he played left field yeah, enough that season. But Lance Berkman had to slide him onto this team somehow. One of the greatest switch hitters ever. Yeah. And another guy that didn't get enough uh, enough votes on the Hall of Fame ballot for me. He shouldn't have been yeah. a first ballot disappear guy. Yeah. He should have been on there for a little bit more because his numbers were ridiculous. Yeah. And uh, he played a – he was – he was even though people called him the fat Elvis or whatever you want to call him, you know. Um, but uh, he was he was sneaky, athletic, and was a very good outfielder and a very good first baseman. But Lance Berkman would probably probably get over, and I don't mean this literally because of the size differential. But he would get over Dave Roberts out there in left field for me. I I think it was interesting you you pull at Berkman because he really did play a pretty decent left field. I mean, mm-hmm. he played <clears throat> you, that wall crazy well. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And when you play in Minute Maid in particular, that's a big part. It's like it's like playing in Boston. You have to know how to play mm-hmm. the big green monster. Um, that is a it's a part of the deal. You know, I mean, I always think about um, when you're a kid and you know you you know, if you're playing by yourself and you're throwing a ball against a wall, you have to know how to play the angles if you you know if you want to catch it. I that's how I used to yep. practice catching. You know, balls was throwing a tennis ball against a against a brick wall and seeing how it came off and trying to, you know, and that's and I think that um, that's a part of it, you know. And by the way, let's we can't discount the fact that he's one of the best hitting Astros of all time, power hitting Astros of all time. I still my favorite story about that about Lance Berkman was when uh, the you know they played the Cardinals and and uh, Pujols hit that home run. And they're on the plane on the plane afterwards, and he's like, "If you look out the right side of the plane, you'll see Albert Pujols' baseball still traveling. Oh, man, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's cold well, blooded, but it's so funny." I know. I, I think that it was. I think it might have been Brad Osmus, to be honest with you. Oh, was it really Osmus? I, I heard and, it was. Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't like he stood up in the middle of the plane. He literally commandeered the intercom. <laughs> the intercom. Oh, that went throughout the whole plane. So yeah, that's terrible. That's but a little funny. inside info right there. But nice. you're right about that. That, that comment was made. I'm not sure 100% by who, but I know it was made. <laughs> nice. All right. Let's go to let's go to first base. And what I imagine oh. is probably one of the easier choices you had to make. Um, Are you kidding me? Oh, this this was awful. Because gut reaction. Yeah. Gut reaction was Jeff Bagwell. Yep. I played with him in 0203. 31 bombs, 100 RBIs every single year. Picked everything yep. I threw over to first base. Phenomenal human, <clears throat> phenomenal player. Played hard. Yep. Uh, you know, on and off the field. We had a blast together. One of my favorite people of all time and still one of my best friends, Jeff Bagwell. It, it, he's got to be there. But I've got I've got 1A in Jeff Bagwell, 1B, 1C, and 1D. Oh. I've, I And I'm you're going to be blown away with some of these first basemen yeah, you've yeah. been able to play with. So Baggy, obviously, numero uno. Love that guy. Played a great first. Learned so much from that guy as far as the game. 1B, Adrian Gonzalez. Oh, my God. You played with the Gonzalez? Where was yes. that? And, and it's going to be amazing to hear this. But, I mean, how did San Diego not win a World Series? But right? 
Um, he was my first baseman. He came, he got traded to the San Diego Padres the last couple of years from uh, Texas to San Diego, and I got a chance to play for him. And he was one of the purest hitters I've played with. Yeah, he was one of the more beautiful left-handed first baseman I've ever played with. Just as far as the the range, the smoothness, uh, personality was there. Still good friends with him. But Adrian Gonzalez was very good. He's my one B, my one C, Paul Canerco. Paul Canerco. Paul Canerco wow. with the, the Chicago White Sox. This is quite a list. Dude, another guy that probably isn't getting Hall of Fame oh, yeah. chatter enough for Should. me because his OPSs and his, his home run and production oh, yeah. numbers, if you get bored, go check those out. He's pretty legit. Yeah. Wasn't a phenomenal first baseman, but if the ball was in the vicinity, he was going to catch it. Um, what am I And those ABC? teams had, those teams had oh. some mashers, too. My goodness. Dude crushers yeah and then uh my one d is a young man that i met out of uh played out of the woodlands went to texas state university and uh i got to see him his rookie year paul goldschmidt really yeah i I was i was in arizona in 11 when he got called up 2012 he was playing every day at first base and i saw him and i was like that guy is the next jeff bagwell man he is that is one guy that is legit that is one yes. guy that is legit, absolutely legit. Man, what a list at first base, Blummer. Mm. That, that was the goodness. hardest one for me because every time I put a name down, I went, oh, that guy, that Gonzalez, guy. Gonzalez, yeah, by the way, that's a, that's, that's a guy that you know, never hear about. Canerco, yeah. Canerco, one of the great, also one of the great names in baseball. Mm-hmm. Canerco is just a fantastic yeah. name. Um, but, yeah, that's a man, that is quite a list. Of first baseman, I, I don't envy you making those choices. Okay, how about <laughs> how about second base? This was a this was an interesting one too because uh, you know coming up with a guy named Jose Vidro, I was like, oh, dude, yeah. this guy's awesome, and he, he played a really good uh, second base uh, switch hitter, pop going all over the place. And again, that was young, you very young in my career, and he didn't have the sustained greatness of a Craig Biggio, uh, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, Craig Biggio's my guy at, at second base. I just thought he was, uh, his whole story is phenomenal, moving from catcher to second base. Yeah. And, you know, I played with Jeff Kent, too. Uh, you know, he was a great second baseman, but Biggio for me was was the, you know, he was, if there was a Lou Gehrig type that I played with, it was mm. probably Craig Biggio. And uh, I just love the way he played the game. He played hard. We had a great relationship. I, he was knowledgeable. And uh, Biggio. And it's hard, you know, you're not going to be able to argue with me when the guy's in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> no. And and the thing about Biggio <laughs> is, first of all, the one of the great all, all-time all non-quote team, Craig Biggio. The guy, who could, <laughs> the guy who could answer a question. I mean, the guy could win in politics every time because he answers every question without really answering anything, mm-hmm. which was amazing. But the thing about Biggio that was so incredible to me was how steady he was. Like that was the thing that was always just blew yeah. me away about Biggio was that, you know, you know that he got pissed. I mean, you certainly saw it, I'm sure. And you oh, know yeah. that he had his moments, but the guy was just like, he was the most even keeled level. And it's what made him so good and so consistent is that he yeah. would go out there and, you know, he would, you know, he'd get mad if he did. You never knew about it because he was like, we got to play tomorrow, you know? Uh, and so I, that's the thing that always got me about Biggio is just that consistent greatness mixed with that just absolute even, like, let's just do this. Okay, put tomorrow, put yesterday behind us. 
focus on the next thing. Such mm-hmm. an impressive way to, to for a sport that's incredibly frustrating. Yeah. No, Biz is one of the best. Yeah, yeah. death, taxes, and Craig Biggio running out to second base. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nice. <laughs> All right, what about shortstop? I was kind of wondering about this one because this seems like it could be an interesting one. Yeah, well, everybody's going to assume it's going to be Adam Everett, but I, I, you know, I, I played with some very good ones. You know, Orlando Cabrera was a very good one. Right. Uh, Jose Uribe for the year I played with him right. in uh, Chicago was very good. But Adam Everett's one of my favorite people of all time. Uh, obviously, he is another guy that's very, very underrated defensively, oh. and it was because he made everything look so easy. Everything yeah. was routine, no matter if it was thirty-five feet to his right or three feet to his right. Uh, if he had to go up the middle, he would do it. He he turned a double play with. He didn't have a cannon, but he had one of the best arms as a shortstop. You know, it's one of those things where his feet created so many opportunities for him, and he was such a good shortstop. The only discount was the offensive side for me, and I right. love Adam, but man, defense—I mean, offensively—just couldn't put it together. But the guy that I'm going to put at my at my shortstop for the All Jeff Blum team is Khalil Green. Khalil this, Green, whoa! Yes. There's a name I haven't heard in a while, <clears throat> dude. I for the three years I was in San Diego playing with him, he was one of my favorite people. He was very interesting, deep. Uh, conflicted in many ways with, uh, you know, the game itself because he was so hyper-talented, but it wasn't like his end goal wasn't to be an all-star shortstop, but he was. Um, He was 20 home runs a year, but his his, he was a damn gymnast (laughs) at shortstop. And we would take ground balls literally every single day, and I was in awe of his athletic ability. So Khalil Green is my shortstop. Wow, interesting call. Like you mentioned Adam Everett. Uh, that guy was a quantum singularity at shortstop. I mean, nothing mm-hmm. escaped, not even light escaped his orbit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's a good way like, of putting it. He was, that was ridiculous. But like you said, the guy, he just couldn't hit. He was as big a black hole sometimes at the plate as he was in the field. And that's got a discount. Khalil Green is fascinating. That is a name I've not thought about or heard of in quite a while. But I do remember watching him play. And uh, I do remember seeing highlights of him more than anything. Because that was really, right in that era, that was the the, the uh, sort of pinnacle of the Sports Center era. Right mm-hmm. at that same oh, yeah. time, because you had the it was best. Like, that was like when web gems started and all that. Right, that was like because it was it was you know it was Dan Patrick and Keith Oberman together, and like you know it's like the the best guys that were Craig Kilborn was on still on doing mm-hmm. it, and so I of course like anybody I watched all the Sports Center highlights and you, Khalil Green often ended up on those because of some of the crazy acrobatic uh, maneuvers that he made. So really, that's a really good call. All right. I know you can't vote for yourself at third base, Plumber. <laughs> or maybe you can. Maybe you can. But no. it's a, but is, was there a third baseman that that you encountered or that you played with maybe behind or whatever that you place above your own uh, above yourself? Which I you know if yeah. you were gonna if you're gonna say look I I'm just gonna say I never played the game. I'm just gonna pull myself out of it and say I didn't Damn play it. it. And just say I didn't play. Or well, it, let's let's make another one. Or you can also pick somebody you played against because that would also be I know. Reasonable. Well, th- that would be easy because it would be Scott Rowland who, oh, who, wow. should, who will probably end up in the Hall of Fame. He's but, definitely uh, going to end up in the Hall of Fame, that guy. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> you know, guys that I did play with, you know, Vinny Castilla, but oh. it was at the wrong time of his career. Because what's weird about this is the guys that I did play with, I either – 
I either beat out and played in front of, or they got hurt or didn't play well enough, and I had to come in and, and play because of them, which is odd. Right. Yeah. You know, but if you go back to 0203 in 2002, I get traded to the Houston Astros to be a safety blanket for uh, Morgan Ensberg. And right. he has a tough o, he has a tough O two. I end up being the third baseman, and then in O three he becomes who Morgan Ensberg we thought he could be, but uh, you know unfortunately he wasn't able to sustain it. But Morgan Ensberg was one of the better third basemen I've yeah. played with. Vinny Castilla was probably the best defensively as far as I played uh, played with, and I learned a lot of third about, about how to play third base from Vinny That's Castilla, cool. who was beautiful. I didn't get a chance to play with Kim, Ken Caminiti, but I played against him enough to know that that dude was a badass at third base, and I loved yeah. watching him. But uh, and and this the guy that I'm going to pick is I played with him briefly, and it was because the brief time I was with him, he was Dan Brooks Robinson at third base. Uh, Joe Creedy, Joe Creedy Joe was Creedy. phenomenal at third is he base. Really? Yeah, he, he was one of those country – he was similar to Lance Berkman where they had just this Midwest country body that was, like, thick. And you're like, how is this guy going to move at third base? And all of a sudden, he'd be laying out, making a play, throwing across the diamond, making a play. He'd come up to the plate, get a clutch hit. Uh, Joe Creedy uh, was my third baseman on my team. Well, well, Blummer, kudos to you for choosing a third baseman, first of all, because you could have just, like, uh, I think my field – I'm going I'm to sit here. I'm going to reach around it. <laughs> I think I had the best fielding percentage of any of the third baseman I played with, but hey, there were some guys that were obviously better. Nobody should be discounted. Look, no one should be discounting Jeff Blum on his fine career. You were a very good fielder. Like, don't <laughs> make, you. don't, don't uh, get it twisted that all of a sudden we're like, oh, well, who is the better third baseman? In reality, Jeff Blum probably the better third baseman in all of those. Well, uh, so so that's at that given time, maybe not overall. Hey, that's all that matters. That's all yeah. that matters. Caminiti, by the way, uh, really good book out there about Ken Caminiti mm-hmm. came out this past yes. year called "Playing Through the Pain" by Dan Good. Um, sometime we'll have to get Dan uh, on here. Uh, he's a really interesting guy, great writer. Uh, I've me- I've messaged with him a couple times on Twitter. Very good book about Caminiti. I will say very detailed. Like I mean, it goes. It like covers every single detail yeah, of everything that happened uh, with him from the time he was in baby boots all the way until the time his uh, career wow. ended, um, and you know a subsequent death. But really, uh, really good read. Caminiti just you know obviously Astros fans remember how it's some tra- a weird tragedy in the in the Astros world sometimes when you consider him and Daryl Kyle from that wow. same era, guys that just uh, you know think their lives end cut short. Hate hate mm-hmm. to see any of that. Really good stuff, Blummer. I mean, the all yeah, Blum team fun. is solid, man. That is a the, and what's great about that the list of stuff is you had some ones on there where I'm like, God damn, I forgot I forgot about that guy. <laughs> you know, like yeah. Khalil Green, man, that immediately jumped out of me. God, I used to see him on Sports Center, like doing. Mm-hmm. No, that was crazy. a lot of fun. It, it was a lot of fun to reminisce and, and remember some of these guys. And I, when you told me about it last night, I was going, damn, I got to do some homework. <laughs> but at the same time, you know how it is that the gears start to move yeah. and you start to recall some of these guys and you're going, yep, yep. That guy, that guy, that guy. Yeah. Do you stay in really touch with ones. a lot of those guys? Um, for the most, you know, it's not, it's, I think it's like a dude thing. 
Yeah. Whereas like my wife is really good friends with a lot of the wives of these guys. But if, yeah. you know, if I sat down and, and Khalil showed up tomorrow, we'd, we'd probably sit there and talk for the next two hours. Right. You know, I saw Vlad Guerrero Jr. when he got inducted into uh, the Angels Hall of Fame or their Ring of Honor or whatever the hell mm-hmm. it was. And, you know, I, I searched him out. And as soon as we turned the corner and made eye contact, we're like, hey, amigo, you know, and all of a sudden you're talking again. <laughs> uh, right. I, oddly enough, I ran into <clears throat> Paul Konerko at Park City and we stood out in fr- really? you know, on, the, on Main Street talking for about 30, 40 minutes. <laughs> wow. Um Adam Everett, I could call right now and we'd end up talking forever. You know, there, there's certain guys, you know, and Trevor Hoffman, I haven't talked to him in years, but I know if I sent him a text, there'd be a text coming back. I mean, these guys are good. They're good dudes, yeah. but uh, I'm still friends with a lot of them. And uh, every time Paul Goldschmidt does something incredible, I'm like, way to go, Paulie, you did it again. And he's just like, Blummer, how's it going? Miss you, man. And, you know, we'll go through St. Louis so cool. and, he'll, you know, he'll, he, he will come out of his way to come talk to me. So it's good to have that kind of uh, impact on guys and still be able to retain those relationships because uh, these guys are great. That's probably the most fun about this is that they're great players, but at the same time, they're also pretty good dudes. Yeah, that is really great. And, and, and mm-hmm. there is obviously a fraternity of uh, any like just like we talked about if mm-hmm. in any profession or in anything where you share common ground there's certain things that other people just aren't going to uh understand the way yeah. uh fellow ball players are going to get it um mm-hmm. and i think it's same thing with any athlete or or any you know similar shared experience you're going to get things that other people just aren't going to get and that's just kind of yep. how it goes. All right, Blum, any final thoughts before we move on? It's a weekend. It's a lovely – have you got big plans? Are you going to be – I mean, today you should be out oh. golfing, bro. I know. <clears throat> Seriously, I, I do need to get out of this cubby hole that I'm, I'm broadcasting from with you. <laughs> I know you, you got a cold, but, uh, but... – yeah, I, I, yeah. All of a sudden, well, you know, back to school. The funk comes back. I've got a little bit of that, but I should be all right. Um, you know what's crazy is I've had uh, I got to speak to the Houston Mortgage Bankers Association last oh. week. I, I have I'm going to have a couple of speaking engagements. Um, what is today? Thirteenth. Next week is it's Caravan Friday. Week, man. Hey, dude, it's Friday the thirteenth, bud. Oh, I'm just going to say it. It's Friday the 13th. Better like knock on some wood or get out your rabbit's foot. So yeah, Caravan Week. What what are you doing for Caravan Week? Well, there's going to be stuff going on all week. Obviously, the team is going to go down to Corpus Christi. They're going to be so in Pearland. Cool. Um, you know, they go to Round Rock. They go to Austin. They go to all these places. But I I, I won the lottery. <laughs> I get to stay in in Central Houston. Oh, nice. Uh, we're gonna, you know, obviously there's always a, there's a mandatory Whataburger stop, which is great because you get to serve a little bit, have some fun, and of course you get some, you know, some some grub on oh, the yeah. side, which is nice. And then that trip on the 18th will eventually finish at St. Arnold Brewery. And that's <laughs> oh just, man, that's that's my second home. Home and, away from uh, home think, for you, Blummer. <laughs> I know, right? So uh, I, I get to hang out with my people at St. Arnold, and obviously those uh, beer connoisseurs that hang out in that beer garden are always my friends. And I think as tentatively, mm-hmm. tentatively, I have Jose Urquidy as one of the players with me, and awesome. I am an I'm an Urquidy, you know, I don't, it's not an apologist, right? But I mean, I could mm-hmm. be on his PR staff because I'm a I'm a huge <laughs> Jose Urquidy fan. So we're gonna have a good time uh, hanging out <clears throat> on the 18th, and then of course the 21st. Mark your calendar, Fan Fest at Minute Maid Park. I'm going to be yeah. floating around there. Yeah, that's going to be There's fun, a lot man. Going on. There is a lot going on because because we are mere weeks away from pitchers and catchers. Pitchers you can and feel catchers. It. I can feel it. Yes, you can. It's definitely building. Schedules we got pitchers out. Yeah, the schedule that pitchers and catchers on the 16th. Uh, everybody else on the 21st. 
Uh, it's perfect timing for me. I'm going to be uh, in Colorado the week before that. Uh, so as soon as I get back, I'm going to hit the ground running. It's going to be, as as Billy Joel once described it, full tilt blues boogie. It's going to be get, getting after it and getting ready. Look, it's I love that the Astros won the World Series, not just because they won the World Series, but also because it's a short off season, baby. Yep, yep. <laughs> and we can get, get right, we can get right back to it. Well, we'll be back next week. Fresh pods brought to you by Bet Online. Huge thanks to our listeners and viewers as always. Please continue to like and subscribe. Give us a give us some ratings on uh, Apple Podcasts. We love it. We're deeply thankful for all of you guys and really appreciate it. Just seventy five days to opening day. And on and to, on top of everything else, and uh, so just uh, you know, yeah, fan, yeah. I'm gonna. We should tell people. I'll tweet out uh, some of the information about the caravan and all that stuff uh, next week because mm-hmm. that's fun stuff. If you've never gone out to one of those events, oh, those are really fun. There are players out there, and obviously personalities. Uh, you know, there's going to be Jeff Blum, and everybody wants to get a piece of this man. <laughs> so uh, there's fun stuff to do, and and you're always in, you know, and. When, and especially cool to go to the different locations that they go to, mm-hmm. you know the ones the one in Corpus is really pretty cool. Oh man! And uh, I've had and some so, good yeah. times down in Corpus. Yeah, absolutely. And if you go to Pearland, you can eat at Killens. I'm just oh, saying. Dude. I'm just yeah, saying. That's that's another reason. To I am there. That's just true. the only time in my life I've ever eaten myself ill was did, at Ronnie Killens restaurant. Did you know that Killens is in? Uh, it's in Minute Park. I yeah, do so because it's like because I went to a game <laughs> with Dee Dee Killen. At one point oh, last no year, my my buddy Frank and uh, who is a who is a wine wholesaler, he and Didi are uh, good friends, and she and they invited me to come along to a game. We sat right behind oh uh, right behind home plate. She's lovely and hilarious, yeah, and uh, runs the show for all of them. And so, yeah, the Killens is there. Oh, you man. know, she they were telling me that Killens is one of the places when they built out, they actually put in a smoker. Yeah, they had, most, to, they had to specifically build that part of the ballpark to accommodate how they prepare their meat. Ronnie doesn't mess around, man. He does not. And it's a good mess thing he around. doesn't because the stuff's phenomenal. I could, I will, I, if I'm not, if I'm a fan at the game, which is usually in the playoffs, but I will go up and hang out right behind that Michelob Ultra Lounge right. and eat as many burn ends as I possibly oh. can. Burn ends are the legit. Yeah, so if you're in Pearland, this like sound like we're an ad for Killens. So if know, next seriously. time you're in Pearland, or if you're over I love barbecue. I've got Breggy barbecue sauce, <laughs> right. I've got Brett's barbecue, and now I've got Killens. So let's go. Today might be the day I get I grab a barbecue sandwich for lunch. Oh. I'm, I'm thinking about it. I might not mm-hmm. be able to drive to Pearland, but there may be there may be a barbecue sandwich in my future. Oh, <laughs> I it. love it. All right, guys, thanks so much again. Blummer, thank you. We will uh, see you guys soon. And as always, go Astros. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.